Support for this podcast is brought to you by Forward Digital Productions, a new age multimedia production company specializing in video production, photography, and motion graphics. They believe in producing the most innovative and creative media productions for their customers. They have years of experience shooting weddings, portraits, commercials, events, and more. Please visit the website at www.goforwarddigital.com. That's www.gofwdigital.com and enter the offer code VM3 for 10% off your next photo session booking. This is the M3 Conversation, and I'm Devontae Brown. And today we're having a conversation with Denard Stringer. So Denard is from Dothan, Alabama, and he currently lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. Denard's currently working in building science with DPR Construction, and he is a construction manager slash superintendent. Denard attended high school at Dothan High School, and he also went to Auburn University, where he graduated with a degree in building science in the year of 2016. Thank you for being here with us today, Denard. No problem. Thank you, Devontae. All right, man. So we'll jump right into it. So when you were younger, kind of growing up, is building science something that you always wanted to be involved in? So growing up, I always knew I wanted to be in the industry of construction. Originally, I thought I wanted to be an architect. My grandfather did a lot of work. My uncle and grandfather both are in the industry of construction, carpenters and masons. So I knew I wanted to do something with my hands. I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do until I got to about middle school, seventh grade. I took some drafting classes and quickly realized I like drawing and wanted to go into architecture. So that's actually how I started off my journey down the path I am now. Okay. And so once you got into high school, and I know you just kind of spoke to it a little bit, but were there any programs or anything that anything in more detail that you got involved with that kind of pushed you further toward that goal? Majority of the programs I got into weren't related to school. We did have a technology center where we offered drafting classes, stuff like that. I didn't take advantage of those how I probably should have throughout high school, which I do regret. I think I could have got a little further ahead. We did offer those. I took more to visit different offices and kind of looking at what architects do, talking to my grandfather and uncle a lot, hanging around them on my different job sites. So I took kind of real-world experience over taking advantage of what they get offered in the classroom more so. Okay, and so in doing that, I guess you understood kind of what you wanted to do, what your next steps were. And so there are a lot of different paths you can take that kind of get degree to work in construction and to work in carpentry, work in mason. So how did you decide, all right, I'm going to go to Auburn and I'm going to do building science? So my sister went to Auburn before me. So she got to Auburn in 2007. She finished, she left Auburn in 2011. And she actually started off in civil engineering and went and graduated in building science like I did myself. I went to Auburn thinking I wanted to be an architect, started out in architecture, did about a year and a half, almost two years in architecture. And even going into the program, we have a few different rigorous courses, rural studio, summer design, foundation option that you can go into for architecture at Auburn. And going through that process, I kind of started realizing that even though I like designing, the designing aspect of my industry, I want to be more hands-on, more problem-solving and practical. Instead of just making a pretty building, I want to say, how do you actually make a building function for the end user? So after about a year and a half of architecture at Auburn, I started taking classes in building science. And because we're all in the same college, College of Architecture, Design and Construction, or CADC, we um, have to take some cross classes. So we actually take some architecture classes in building science. 
architecture takes some classes in building science also. So some of those prerequisite classes that we started taking, I kind of liked what I was hearing, liked what I was doing, and started looking more into that industry. And a professor that my sister had, Professor Thompson, actually took interest in me and kind of started talking to me, trying to push me over to become more of a building science student and switch my degree. So after about a year and a half of architecture, took some of those classes, switched my degree over, or started the process of switching my degree over, started doing internships shortly after that with DPR, and it's been downhill after that. So after I started intern, I knew exactly where I wanted to go with it and switched over shortly after that. You spoke to your internships. Can you speak a little bit more in detail about kind of what your internship entailed and what your role was with DPR when you did that? Yeah. So when I first started interning with DPR back in 2013, I started out as a, what you would call a project engineer. The project engineer handles everything from maybe something that's in the field or anything that's uh, on the project management side of the industry. It's pretty much a gateway to go either direction field-wise or uh, office management. So after taking that internship, I pretty much was a field off- field coordinator and a project engineer. So I handled everything from submittal documentation. So everything I would put into the project, looking at specs for the project, handling some contracts, buyout for the project, getting contractors onto the project, do that actual work in place, as well as problem solving in the field, helping our superintendents in the field as a field engineer, doing layout. I would do everything from helping problem solving coordination items and then making sure quality assurance was in place as they were putting the actual work in place on the project. I work with people who are building science majors and I work with people who are civil engineers and I've worked with people who are kind of in architecture. So just for the people who may be more familiar with engineering, but maybe a little less familiar with building science, how does your program kind of differ from the others? And obviously you kind of spoke to what your job entails, but just as far as the school side of things, how does your program kind of differ from what architecture and maybe civil engineering does? So to be completely honest, engineering itself and building science aren't that separate. We do a lot of the same classes as far as uh, statics, taking a lot of structures classes, understanding that happens. And we actually work very, very closely in the field with our engineers, mechanical engineers, civil engineers, structural engineers, all with architects in the industry. As far as the differences in the study course, architecture is more design process. So you're worried about how can you bring components of a building together to get a finished product. And civil engineering, mechanical engineering, I feel they work more towards uh, means and methods. But actually, the calculations that go into making something stand, how does it work? What do you need to make the systems that go into a building work? Um, in building science, we focus more on the means and methods and the logistics of how are you going to do it, when you're going to do it, and then once it's in place, what's the steps that go after that? So we actually all tie in very closely and work very closely together, even though we work in different facets at different points of the project. Okay, great. I think that's a really good explanation. And along those lines, you know, you talked about, you know, maybe touching on project management touching on office managers. So what is, and if there is a typical line of progression, but what, what is the line of progression kind of for somebody graduating and building science and starting to work for a construction firm? So in the construction industry, we have uh, several different components. You have business development, you have pre-construction or pre-con, you have field operations. Um, field operations typically consist of your superintendents, your project managers, pre-con, part of the project or part of the construction has to do with your estimators, your business development. And then you have people who focus strictly on business development where they go out and they focus on pursuits. So they go for the clients that we want to do the work for. What we think about as a company, what do you want to actually build? What do you want to have your name associated with? And what kind of clients do you want to have at the end of the day that are helping you, one, run your company and bring money into your pockets? And number two, that you have your name on that's going to get your name out there to other clients. So a little more focus on what I actually do. And in the field operations, you have the project manager who manages the money. Typically on the project, they're going to worry about contracts. 
They are the face with the owner a lot of times. And then overall operations, setting up a project. You have the superintendents who run the field side of it. So they're going to be in charge of cost, schedule, logistics, and quality on a project. You have pre-construction managers or estimators who are going to do the initial bid for a project. So they actually go talk to the contractors who are putting the work in place. And they talk to them about the price that it's going to take to get in there. They look at everything as far as if you need a crane for the project, where they'll pull the superintendent in, they give specialties on cranes, logistics plan of there. How much money do you have in the project? How much contingency do you have? Do we have this forecast enough in our budget to say, hey, eight months down the road, are we going to have enough money to still pay for what we're doing? Do we have enough money put into our budget for that? Or at the end of the day, do we need to go to our owner and say, hey, we missed this or there's a scope gap in there for that? So that was a good explanation of that. So outside of what you all do for your company, what does your teams look like? So as far as you and your role, who do you typically have reporting to you and who do you typically report to? And what kind of customers do you work with? What kind of what kind of customers does your company serve? So at DPR Construction, the company I work for, we focus on healthcare, life sciences, higher education, and corporate office. Some of our main core markets that we have. As far as who do I report to, I have a senior superintendent that's on my project who oversees the operations that are going on, helps make sure we're checking quality. We have other superintendents who may be on my team. So on this project that I'm on right now, we have three superintendents and one senior superintendent. And we split the building up into different components of what we need to do. We have one project manager. We have two project executives who are pretty much the overseer of the entire project as far as everything from what's going on in the field to what's going on with the owner and what's going on money-wise on the project, making sure we're staying on budget. And then we have about three project engineers on our project also who enter everything from the contract documents, submittals coming in, RFIs, requests for interpretation, uh, stuff like that that happens on the project. And then one safety manager full-time also. I know you guys do some pretty huge projects, but for you, so what's kind of the most complex or integrated project that you've been a part of? The most complex project that I've been a part of to date would be a pharmaceutical facility that I worked on about two or three years ago. They actually did injectable medicine for multiple sclerosis and Alzheimer's. And they did that through the use of Chinese hamster ovaries, made that into injectable medicine for that. The reason for working at that facility is difficult. Number one is it's a clean space. So as a superintendent, logistics, logistics, logistics is what we focus on. We have to plan to make a plan to make a plan to make another plan to finally make action happen when we're working out there. So the actual planning process, we were planning things months in advance that we were that was only going to take a week worth of time to do the work. But it comes from everything. How are you going to shut down this area? How are you going to bring this equipment in? Bring that equipment in, how does it affect it? We can't have this part of the building exposed to outside conditions. So we have to build a whole temporary shelter and enclose as bigger than the, this side of the building that we're demoing out to enclose that out and demo that out build the new structure in, and then demo the structure that we put on top of that to keep it enclosed. So there was a lot of moving pieces that we had in there. Along with that, you have an owner who understands what they do on a daily basis, but not how you're going to do what they need you to do for construction. So we also have to convey to the owner how we plan on doing all this process. So we use everything from 4D modeling, 4D scheduling, and literally drew it up in different AutoCAD systems and present it to them day by day, week by week, what we're doing on a model showing them exactly how we plan to do these actions and do this part of the construction that we have. In your kind of day-to-day job, what helps you be successful? What would help somebody be successful if they're pursuing a career in building sciences? So to be successful in my industry and being successful being in building science and construction management, being quick on your feet is a big thing that you have to have. 
if you're not good at problem solving or sometimes you get nervous when you're trying to figure out situations, it's okay to take a deep breath and think about it. You don't always have to have an answer right then and there, but you have to be able to problem solve, think on your feet while you're out there in the field or when you're dealing with issues. Understanding and communication. Communication is one of the biggest components in my industry. I communicate with the architect. I communicate with the engineer. I communicate with the owner. And then I communicate with my trades on the job site. That's four different groups of people that I have to communicate with. And we all talk different languages. So when I'm talking to the architect, we use different terms. We talk a different way. When I'm out there in the field explaining to some of my guys, I talk a different way. When I get to the owner, I don't need to necessarily tell him the 5,000 foot view of how we're doing every little thing on the project. I may have to talk about a 50,000 foot view overview of how we're actually going to do something, but not actually go into the weeds of everything that we're doing on there. When I talk to the engineer, we talk in different terminology also. So communication is a big thing that's on the project. I would also say integrity is a big thing that you got to have on the job also, because you're dealing with people's money on an everyday basis. With that integrity, you got to be able to tell somebody when they need to be on the job and when they come to the job to start that work, what they need to be able to start needs to be ready for them to do it. They don't need to come onto the job and have a thousand roadblocks in their way. You need to be able to honestly tell them, hey, I need you out here in two weeks, three weeks, or a month. And when they come out there, they can trust you that everything's going to be ready for them to start their work. When you're dealing with people's money, I'm dealing with the client's money. I'm dealing with subcontractors' money. Also, as far as how they're getting paid, be reliable on making sure they get paid on a day-to-day basis for the work they're putting in place and that we can trust each other at the end of the day. I think, like you said, the integrity piece is pretty big. I know like for us, a lot of people have a hard time of owning up to mistakes. And I think that that's the biggest mistake, you know, because if you just own up to it and say, all right, we messed this up or we're late on this or we're running over on this, the earlier you address it, the easier the solution becomes. But the longer you wait, the more and more that builds up into an explosion at the end of it. I agree with that, D. I mean, being honest and having integrity on there, it falls into that communication also. When there's an issue out there in the field, if my guys need to stop work, if I need to tell them to stop work, it's, hey, stop work in this area. We don't have an answer here. Or there's something that's going to change. We don't know what, but there's something that's going to change. If I keep allowing them to continue putting work in place, that's just more work we have to undo down the road, which costs more time and money overall on the project. And it doesn't help anybody at the end of the day. I think that plays into it also. To this point in your career, what do you think has been your biggest challenge? For me, I would say my biggest challenge in the career is, number one, I'm pretty young. I'm only 25 years old and I'm a superintendent. And typically, your superintendents on the job are the guys with the white beards, the guys who've had the experience and been in the industry for the 15, 20 plus years. Getting out to the industry and having to tell a guy who's been doing a trade and they've been doing it since they were 18 years old, where they started out pushing a broom and worked their way up or however they got to the position they're in, being able to, with confidence, tell that guy, hey, this is how we're going to put this work in place or talk to them and communicate with them, hey, this is how we're going to do it. And earning their respect and gaining their respect is a big thing that I've had challenges with. Not necessarily because they don't respect me, but anytime you have somebody with a younger face coming in, you're going to question, do they know what they're talking about? Showing those guys, hey, I understand what I'm talking about. And knowing how to discuss and have conversations with those older gentlemen, some of the the women that are in the field, and understanding how to convey what I need from them, what I have in my head over to them is a big feat that I've had to accomplish. Going along with that, you know, what you're talking about, you being so young, coming out of college, and I think your internship probably definitely helped, especially since you interned with the same company. And maybe I should ask you this differently. Going into your internship or kind of your first day on the job, is your job what you thought it would be before you started it? I would say it is. I would say it's actually exactly what I thought it was going to be, exactly what I wanted to get into, because on a day-to-day basis, I get to come out in the field, I get to talk to guys. I get to hang out with the guys in the field. I get to problem solve. And I deal and touch so many different things on a daily basis. 
You can be in this industry for 50 years and no project is ever the same. How you do it may be the same, but there's always something progressing in my industry. When I started out in 2013, the way my superintendents who I was under taught me how to do certain processes, it's 2019 now. That's only six year difference. Things are light years ahead of how they were back then. So things are ever changing in this industry. You got to move ever forward and be willing to adapt to those things and how they change. So I will say exactly what I thought I was getting into. I'm happy it's the move that I made. You kind of touched on something I wanted to address as well. You know, things are changing. Cameras are getting more detail. A lot of the tools that we use to measure certain things are giving us a lot more detail, a lot more information. Are there any other like trends or themes or just kind of new programs or new tools that you guys are using in the construction world? I would definitely say technology itself, using computers, this different software that we're using is ever changing. We went from just five years ago where having paper drawings was the way to do everything. You saw a superintendent on a job site, he had a set of plans less than five feet away from here where he always could reference something on the plans. I have an iPad that I keep in the back of my safety vest now. If I'm in the field, my iPad is strapped to my back at all times because I have all my documents on there. We use different communication components with our owners and our clients. We take a 360 photo with our weekly reports that we send to them so they can actually go through, look at the project, and see things progress on the project, move around in the room, and actually feel like they're there in that space, and they love it. Different technology as far as coordination efforts. We do laser scanning now, which hasn't always existed. You can go into a room that has existing conditions, scan the whole room, put it into a model, and everything that's in that room goes into the model now, and you can play around in BIM and figure out what you need to move, what you need to do before you ever actually start putting work in place in the field. And what that does is it speed lines the process. So if I already have a model where I've done all clash detection, I've done all the coordination I need to, I know what system needs to be the highest, whether it's the mechanical system. I know exactly where my electrical needs to run and my plumbing lines need to go. I now have a drawing. I don't just have the 2D drawings that the architect originally provided. I have 2D prints from the BIM model that I can go out there and say, hey, we need to run this line at this elevation, at this height, in this direction for however so many feet before we make a turn. And I know with all confidence I can do that, put it in, and it's already been checked. It's already been crash detection free. I'm not going to cause any kind of issue with any other trades that are on the project. I've definitely seen some of that. What most people use that stuff, they're looking at, you know, kind of houses and when they're kind of walking through a house. But, you know, as technology has progressed, it's like, all right, we can use these for construction sites as well. So those tools are, are definitely pretty cool. What would you say is probably your favorite thing on a day-to-day about going to work every day? My favorite thing on a day-to-day basis is the interaction I have with the different trades on the site. You meet all kinds of people in this walk of life. You hear all kinds of stories. And you make some true friends in this walk of life. It's almost like if you ever played ball in high school, playing football or something. You're in a locker room for those guys for half of your school year or the whole school year, depending on how old you are in school. It's the same on the job site. We're on some of these job sites with the same guys for months to years at a time. So you get to know somebody, you get to know their family, you build that one-on-one personal relationship with them, whether it's on your project team that you have internally with your company or the project team that's out there in the field and the guys that are putting work in place. You really meet all kinds of people on an everyday basis. You hear all kinds of stories and you get to interact with all kinds of different people on the projects and the different walks of life that you see guys come from, the different stories you hear. It's just fun to hear it and interact with them. That's a great point. Some people like to travel or they think they want a travel job, but once you get into that and you spend so many hours away from home, it does get kind of boring and tiresome. But, you know, just like you said, every project is different. With every project, you meet new people and you spend so much time with them, you start to learn them and you become friends. So 
that definitely extends kind of your social circle when you're working on those projects. And so to this point in your career, what type of mentoring or development have you experienced? As far as mentoring and development, there's a lot of guys, old school superintendents, I could say, who just took me under their wing. And where sometimes you have the grumpy old superintendents that people mostly think of when they hear the word superintendent. A lot of those guys have been in the industry for years and you just can absorb knowledge off of them. And you just have to be open book and willing to learn and ask the questions. That's the kind of mentorship I've had. I've had guys who pretty much let me go out in the field and I run with the project. And if I have questions, they're there for me to lean on to ask those questions. And if I don't have questions, then they're going to keep letting me do what I need to do. And that's what I like about my company also. We use the saying of we give you enough rope to hang yourself or we throw you out in the deep and let you swim. But that's the kind of learner that I am also. DPR, the guys that I've been up under in my industry, they always have that fallback feeling. So if I, if I fall, they're always there to help me pick me up. But they're not overbearing. They're not overshadowing. They let me go out there and learn as I'm building, which I said, you're always going to be learning in this industry. They let me go out there and learn from my mistakes. If I make a mistake, they let me go out there and build. I mean, even the trades that I have out here, I learn from the different forms and superintendents for the other trades on site every day. And they technically report to me, but we live and learn off of each other every day. I think that's a great response. You definitely have to take the time to spend the time with people who's been there before and learn from them. What would you say is kind of the importance of diversity in your field? So the importance of diversity in my field, I'm in a predominantly white male industry. So I don't see many faces that are like me in my role, where there are a lot of minorities who are putting their work in place. As far as the operation side, the management side, you don't see a lot of it. Over the years, that is definitely changing. I have a lot of counterparts, African-American, Indian, Hispanic, and Caucasian that I work with now. And that diversity that you have, even in my office, you see so many different mindsets put onto one project, and everybody looks at something different. And I think when I hear diversity, I think of diversity being more than just skin color also. I know I mentioned that earlier, but there's more than just skin color. I'm from Dothan, Alabama, and I have people that I work with who are from Corning, New York. The way somebody up north and the way somebody down south are brought up, the mindset, the different outlooks on life that they have, when they come onto one project and you start streamlining things and thinking the same way, it turns to a beautiful thing. You see all kinds of ways of thinking that you may have never, ever thought of. The way somebody across the country on the West Coast builds, it's completely different how we build on the East Coast. But when we get to different conventions in my office, different conventions in my industry that we go together, we learn from each other, and that's diversity by itself. We had a walk the other day with some guys from, uh, from Raleigh that came down to my job site who are in my company just to look at some things and see how the project was going. And the insight that they brought into the project, I think that's diversity. There was a lot of different things that they had done in their previous experiences on different jobs where we had never even thought about doing it out here on my project right now. Where we may not do it on this project, the next project, it's definitely a lesson learned that we can take to that project and grow that project and teach somebody else, introduce something else new to somebody, another trade partner, another owner. That's the diversity that plays a big role in my industry and my walk of life right now. That's a great explanation. I think that's important for people to understand that diversity is definitely more than just skin color. You learn so much from different cultures or different experiences, different backgrounds. Like you said, even from the different facets of engineering, you know, an electrical engineer might look at a situation and form one solution, but a mechanical or structural engineer might look at it and, you know, think of something totally different. You know, not to say one way is right, wrong, or indifferent. It's just a lot of different ways that, you know, it's a million ways to skin a cat, right? All right, so coming up on our last few questions, how would you define success in terms of your own career? Success for me in my own career, as long as I'm always moving ever forward and learning, I think I'll always be successful. I think the day that I actually become too hard-headed or too like a brick wall and I think I'll know everything, I think one of my success will end right there. 
as long as I'm progressing my company, I judge my success in my company by the types of projects that I get. I've been in Charlotte for about two years now, and I was working projects for about a year before I got the last project. I was my new office in Charlotte. And I thought that was a success for me or a judgment for success because they trusted me, a 25-year-old guy, to come and build our new office in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we're going to plan on being here for a while. That was the way I gauged my success up here in this area. Success for me is how can I actually contribute to a project? When I'm on a project, how do I change and how do I bring the lessons learned from the last project onto the next project? That's success for me. How did we make money on our project? Did we come in under budget? Did we come in under schedule? Did we come in right at the schedule? And how did I convey those things to the owner? My growth through those facets is how I judge my success. My last question for you is, for anybody that's listening to this conversation and saying, hey, I want to get involved with building science, what's your biggest piece of advice to give to them? My biggest advice I would give to somebody is always be willing to take challenges. Don't be afraid to take on a challenge, whether you know a lot about it or you don't. I think that's how a lot of guys in my industry are successful. That's how I was when I got into building science. If I didn't know something, it's okay not to know. It's about how you react to that. Do you go off and you try to learn about it? Are you proactive in that? Or do you just sit there and say, I don't know, and you throw your hands up and you get frustrated? Don't give up on what you're doing. Be proactive, research, and just be willing to learn. Those are the biggest tips I can give you. So, Denar, I really appreciate the conversation today. This has been a great conversation. I think you've shed a lot of light on what building science is how it does differ from the different types of engineering and architecture and just kind of the day-to-day role of somebody that's working in construction. I really appreciate that, man. And we really appreciate you being here with us today. I appreciate the opportunity, man. I like what you're doing. You've always been doing big things. So continue to do what you're doing and I hope a lot of progress for M3 Foundation continues. If anybody wants to reach out to me further, feel free to contact me. My name is Denard Stringer. My email is the same, Denard S, that's D as in David, E as in Elephant, N as in Nancy, A as in Apple, R as in Robert, D as in David, S as in Snake at DPR.com, or contact me, 334-435-3408. We appreciate that, Denard. We'll let you get back to your day. Thank you guys for listening. Also, please visit the site, theM3.org, for more information or to see what we have coming up. Please subscribe to the site and contact us with your feedback. If you are listening to this via the website, head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. Also, please visit the donate page if you'd like to make a tax-deductible, charitable donation to help support our scholarship and outreach programs. You can also follow us on all social media platforms at The M3 Foundation. Again, thank you guys for listening, and we look forward to having you next time.